Hey, this is Gina Grad. Hi, this is Teresa Strasser. Hi, everyone. This is Mike Errico. Hey there. This is Casey Cavalier. I'm Rocky Rose. And you are listening to The Jay Franzi Show. Lucky you. Welcome to The Jay Franzi Show. A behind-the-curtain look at the entertainment industry with insights you can't pay for and stories you've never heard. Now, here's your host, Jay Franzi. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I am Jay Franzi, and this is your backstage pass to the entertainment industry. Now, this week, we get to talk with an Australian recording artist. We get to talk with J.D. Reynolds. We'll talk to her about how she got her start in the music industry, what her writing process is like, and how she wrote the song Doomed Romance, and what it's like to not only have one of her songs top the charts, but stay there for several weeks. Now, J.D. is a very talented artist and a very unique writer, and I can't wait to talk to her about it tonight. So, if you would like to join in, comment, or fire off any questions, please head over to jfranzi.com. Now let's get started. JD, my friend, how are you? Hello, Jay. How are you? And g'day to all your viewers. I am fantastic. I cannot thank you enough for being here. This is going to be a blast tonight. Thank you again. Ah, no, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's just jump in. We only have four hours, so I just want to make sure we have enough time to cover everything. (laughs) I've got my Ugg boots on. (laughs) There you go. All right. So um, being from Australia... How did you get into country music? It was the introduction of country music from my mum. She is a massive country music fan. She brought me home from the hospital and she had the greats playing in the house on repeat. And I think my first word was Jolene. I just literally fell in love with country music just like she does. So who are some of those influences? Definitely Dolly Parton. Uh, we listen to a Dolly all the time. Roy Orbison, you know, Johnny Cash, of course, we listen to Johnny Cash. My mum's a big Elvis fan. Just everyone. Um, I love George Strait, big George Strait fan. So it's just, just the greats. And we sing along in the kitchen. We sing along in the car. You can't get any better than the, than the kings and the queens. <laughs> well, speaking of that, you obviously have a very strong Australian accent, but when you sing, accent goes away. How do you do that? It is across every accent. Uh, music has this way of evening out a tone or an accent in a voice. I know a lot of really um, cool singers who are so full on Scottish accent and it literally just evens out when you sing. So it's across the board, I think. Uh, if you sing in a really strong Aussie accent, that's going to have to be put on because once you open the vocal cords, your vocal cords will naturally round out when you sing. So it rounds out your tone and that's why most artists don't really have that super strong accent when they sing. So when I sing, I just sound like me. It's not put on. That's just how it comes out. Oh, it is. I was asking an opera singer about it and she was telling me about how the vocal cords just round themselves out when you start hitting notes and that's why certain accents just start leveling out because the vocal cords do what they do they round out the tone and out comes the voice great (laughs) so your mother introduces you to country music but how do you get to the next level Uh, Well, I started off as a dancer, a classical ballerina, and I was scouted at a really young age, and I was thrown on stage with the big guns of of ballerinas at a really tender age, and I was super, super nervous all the time, and how I would calm myself in the wings would be to sing to myself, and it's kind of funny. My family would go, oh, my God, there's Jada. You can hear her singing in the wings. I used to get in trouble for it a lot. But it was the only way to calm my nerves. And there was a huge uh, classical choreographer at the time. He was from the US. And he met up with my mum backstage after a certain show and said, you know, little JD, she's a beautiful ballerina. But, man, that kid's got some chops. She can really sing. And my mum said, you know what, I think so too. And because I love singing so much, it calms my soul, it calms my nerves, it calms 
who I am. I'm a very bubbly, very outgoing person. So when I sing, it just washes over my soul, just kind of brings a peace to me. And that's how I got into singing. Well, that's pretty amazing. It's amazing on multiple levels, but for somebody to recognize that and then for your mother to support it, that's pretty cool. Yeah, she's super supportive. I reckon I could go to my mum at any time and say, hey, mum, I want to be the world's best circus clown. She'd be the first one running out to buy me some big red shoes and a squirty nose. <laughs> uh, she's just that supportive. And it's always great to have that one supportive person in your corner. It doesn't matter who it is, someone who just says, go for it. That's awesome. I, I laugh because no matter what success I had in my career, my mother always said to me, when are you going to get a real job? Oh, really? No, my mom would never say that to me. She's always follow your dreams, babe. Be happy. It's all that matters. I had the support of my family. They just were from a, a time in the area of the country where working in the music business was not something that most people did. Okay. So they had no idea of what was going on. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. Well, look at you now, Jay. Look at me now. Look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... You start singing, somebody recognizes you. Mm -hmm. That's still in the very beginning stages of this. How do you get to the point where you're making music? Well, I started writing songs as a really little girl. I hated nursery rhymes. I hated the endings of nursery rhymes. And from the moment that I could speak and start holding a crayon, I was rewriting the ends of nursery rhymes because they always ended tragically and brutally, and I hated it. So I rewrote them all. And then that just flowed into me writing a lot of songs uh, and it was always had that country vibe. I love telling stories. I do stories from generation to generation. I keep a diary of my own stories on a daily basis. So I just kept on writing and singing and reflecting on experiences that I've had and writing them on it all in a journal and a diary. And then that turned into songs really easily for me. And how I literally got cracking as, as, a, as a country music artist is I started listening to albums that I loved and it wasn't necessarily country music. They, I listened to rock albums and pop albums and R&B albums and obviously country albums and I kept on leaning towards this sound of a particular album, this, this wholeness of a sound. And... I listened to one album and I listened to the other album. I thought, oh, my God, that's got the same producer. And I was flabbergasted because my ears could pick up on it. All right, great. And so through the powers that be, I tracked this uh, particular huge producer down and I got his mobile number and then I called him and I sang down the phone to him while he was <laughs> mid-session with one of the biggest artists in the world. He was mid-session. He, he just took the calls and said, who is this? And I just started singing and and uh, that's how I got cracking because he just said, man, oh, yeah, you, you can sing. All right. Too many things there. I know. You know, you've got to believe in yourself and go for it, y'all. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about a couple of these things. First of all, let's <laughs> break it down. Let's break it down. You mentioned nerves at the, at the beginning when being a young ballerina and being nervous. Do you have those same nerves now when it applies to music? I do. I'm hard on myself. I think I'm my my biggest my biggest critic uh, because I'm a perfectionist. I like to offer my fans the very best of me. I don't put out anything half-heartedly. I really do love to give my all. So I do get nervous, and again, I just sing to myself, <laughs> and then I'm all right. All right. So then, if you sing to yourself, I mean. You sing backstage to calm yourself down, calm do. your nerves. Yeah, I'll I'll sing backstage. I'll calm myself down. It's so it surprises me when I start singing too. It could be anything. Uh, I it, it could be anything from Prince to Elvis to even a little bit of opera, or I'll do some classical scales. Or it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Just that that producing a vocal calms me down. I love that. Again, everybody suffers from some level of nerves. So I always like to hear how people work around it and overcome it. So it's a pretty cool way of doing it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm always a little hyper uh, before I go on stage. I'm always a little hyper even when I'm walking into a studio to record. Uh, so, really? um, yeah, I'm always sort of like, you know, ready to go and uh, always, you know, you're too bubbly. You're too, you're too I mean, Tom, too happy. Uh, and so literally just to 
just to it's literally to just to calm me and get me ready to go i'll sing sing anything yeah, that's too far i've never had anybody accuse me of being too happy <laughs> i do <laughs> I mean, all the time I literally, I've got the same expression on my face, same tone of voice. I'm happy all the time, but nobody ever knows it. Okay, cool. Well, good. It's good to be happy all the time. Everyone's just got to embrace it, y'all. Create your own happiness. There is no reason not to be happy. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. Yeah, find something, anything that makes you happy and just tune into that. See, tell my wife. She doesn't believe me. (laughs) All right. The other thing you mentioned there was stories. So... How important to your craft now of writing songs do you feel the story is? Very important. It has to be 100% true for me. I have to reflect on my own diaries and I'll flip through my diaries and and reflect on how I was feeling that day. I I don't just write, oh, I did this and that today. I write down feelings and emotions and things that have happened that day and I like to read those before I go to sleep or, you know, when I've got a, when a minute just to, just to read through them. And it has to be all of my own words and experiences in my songs. i got to feel it 100%. I won't even make up a word that's not true just because it rhymes or, or sounds pretty. It's got to be all me. It's got to be all my, my true experiences. And I love it when people don't have to ask me anymore oh my god is that real is that true because they always know that the answer is of course it is yeah they always know that the answer is yes so that's super important for me just to to be really myself they i I want everyone to know who who i am through my music all right well on that note you're talking about being authentic tell me how doomed romance came about (laughs) <laughs> you had to go for that one, didn't you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Doomed Ramets. Oh, look, Jay, I don't know about y'all out there, but I think we've all had that bad boy or bad girl experience. It's a rush. It is something that you know is doomed. Your family, your friends, they're all telling you, what are you doing, JD? This person is bad news. But, oh, my God, they're hot. They're they're tattooed. They're, they're, they're no good for you. But there's this appeal to it. And I think the artist in me and the songwriter in me thinks, hmm, I might explore this. <laughs> <laughs> I might get a song out of this. Uh, so... And that's how Doomed Romance came about. And and you've got all of this outside noise telling you he's no good. And you know what? You're a smart person in your head. You're thinking, I know. I know. But in your heart, you're thinking, damn, he is so hot. Uh, he's a bit wild. He's completely opposite to me. And the opening line, all I see in his eyes are the wildest of oceans. And that's all I saw. And so I had to go for it. I had to go down that path and I'm grateful for it. Come on, y'all have got a bad boy or bad girl story in you. Yeah, it's my wife. <laughs> See, sometimes it works out, y'all. Sometimes there you it works go. out. My wife will shoot me one day. No, she won't. She'll love you. So but sometimes you just got to go for it. Just keep yourself safe and you, know, you go in with a protected heart. But that's how Doomed Romance came about. And it is really about having those moments in life where you can look back and think, wow, that was something. And was good. so when uh, it was all said and done, that's what I wrote down in my diary. Wow. I know it was – I actually wrote the words – knew it was doomed from the start, but wow, that was something. That's that, that's what needs to go into the song. <laughs> so it basically comes out of your diary. Yeah. You write the lyrics first, then do you craft a melody around it? Oh, no, no, nothing, nothing that's structured. No. Ah, uh, here we go. I am a very random songwriter. So I will never sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and write a song. Uh, I will never sit at my piano and write a song. It's it's never it's never going to happen. I am an interesting writer. I will read my diary and then I'll go to sleep, and then I will 
wake up at 2, 3 a.m. and I will have a whole verse in my head or a whole chorus in my head or I will be out surfing because I'm a surfer and it's a very uh, spiritual experience for me surfing. So I'll be waiting for a set to roll in. I'll be on my surfboard and a, a chorus will just roll through my head that incorporates pieces out of my diary. I will wake up and I'll run to my piano and I will play it like it is a gift from God and I'm just singing and playing. Same if I'm out surfing, I would just take the next wave in, I will sit on the beach and I will just sit and sing it to myself, get back to my 4 by 4 maybe record it onto my phone. But I don't put it down straight away, especially if I'm at the beach. I like to sit with it in my mind for a little and in four, five, six hours, even the next day, if I can't remember it, If I'm struggling to go, oh, my God, what was I saying out there? Well, then I let it slide. If it's not good enough for me to remember, it's not good enough for my fans to listen to. Yeah, the Beatles took the same approach. They didn't have a way to record their demos, so they had to write their songs to be memorable. They've got to be memorable for me first. I've got to I've got to remember it. I've got to listen to it back in my head and have it give me goosebumps. And and I, I've got to think this is special. I want people to hear this. This is worthy of uh, of being heard. I um, started researching it when someone told me, "Hey, did you know that there are only two other writers that we know of that that write like this? It was uh, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson." They used to write like that all the time. And I just said, well, man, if you're dropping my name amongst those, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. I'll wow. take it. It is interesting, but that's that's how I write. So you mentioned going back to your 4x4 and capturing it onto your phone. What other ways do you use to capture the, the idea? Nothing. That's it. I'll either capture it on my phone or I've got to capture it in my head. I've I've really got to remember it. So there are some songs that I never put down. And the first time that people heard them was in the studio and my producer said, what do you got? And I just sang it to him. He says, well, you know, send me the lyrics. And I said, well, I'll have to type them out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have them yet. I'll have to type them out. It's an interesting way of writing, but it serves me well. And I love the way I write. And I know it's, I know it's, just, it's coming from a really spiritual place. So people really, people really have this really nice, strong connection with the songs. I love that. What was the reaction of the producer when you told him that? He did a bit of a wow. You know, he he had heard of the way Michael Jackson had 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 written. He was one of the ones that told me Michael Jackson wrote like this and he said I love it this is it's it's unstructured it's all feeling it's all real and somehow it all just flows through your mind and it's not just lyrics and melodies that flow through my mind I've got guitar parts flowing through my mind I've got chords and and I'll play the chords in the studio and my producer will turn around and go what what? Hang on a second. Does that chord even exist? I, I don't know, but that this is what I'm hearing. What um, I feel. So, and, and he'll go, all right, all right. And then, you know, you get the best musicians in the world to jump on to your songs. And when you've got huge guitarists and, and you know, bass players and, and banjo players going, who is this girl and what are these chords? I kind of get a buzz out of that because for me it just feels normal. For them it's like, whoa, what is she doing? But this works. It's pretty cool. All right. So where do you record the songs? Are you recording them in Australia? Are you recording them in Nashville? I mean, uh, I'm recording in Australia. Uh, it's kind of funny. Our team is, is uh, my team is spread out everywhere. So uh, when I'm when I'm and all my musos are spread out all over the world. So we collaborate uh, really interestingly. I'm in Australia. Uh, producers in, you know in America, and then he does a lot of you know traveling, and then we're you know all parts of the globe, and then we literally collaborate like this so it looks like we're sort of like in a studio session right now and we'll still be collaborating and then when uh they i can get into a studio with the musos especially um, anyone that who happens to be in australia or touring in australia we jump in the studio and i sing guitar parts and i'm singing bass parts (laughs) yeah it's just it's a lot of fun and and it just works for me and i just love how these big musicians just embrace the way i write and they love it Okay, so who's producing your your stuff for you? Uh, Brandon Williams is producing my stuff for me. He's, I mean, look, I can't drop 
you know, too many names, uh, but we're talking Snoop Dogg, Beyonce, Kelly Clarkson, the big guns, and and now JD Reynolds. <laughs> uh, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. I, I love working with Braden. He really just allows me to be myself and do things my way. And we've got a really special relationship, you know, producer, artist. It's awesome. This, uh, small tangent. You had a run-in with Snoop Dogg, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I've had a couple. Uh, I've had a couple. Uh, Snoop Dogg is, you know, Snoop Dogg, is, he's so cool. Um, I call him Uncle Snoop. He's super cool. I, I I was doing a lot of, you know, modeling. He was uh, in New York. I was in New York modeling one. He was in New York just hanging out. Uh, and, uh, and we met. And yeah, so it was just, it was such a wild experience. We had a hot dog together. Uh, of course, because yeah, that's what you do. from the vending machine. And he is one of the nicest and kindest people in the industry that I have met. Uncle Snoop is a great name for me to call him because I really do feel like he's just a, a, an uncle of mine. So um, yeah, Snoop, I love you and uh, love from the, the Reynolds family. <laughs> that's great. All right, so let's get back to your music here for a second. So how do you start working together? What's the first step? The first step is to really capture the vibe in my head and for Braddon to get it out of my head and, you know, into a, a, a working structure. That's the first step. Uh, it's an interesting one because uh, I love to be a part of it it's step by step. And I love how Braddon has so much faith in me that every step of the way he never tries to take over. He always says, JD, what about this? What about that? What about this? This is where I think your head is at. And so we build the, we build it just pretty much like a house from the, from the ground up. And then we add all the magic over the top. And we're really fussy about musicians that we have on the on the albums. Braddon's only used to working with the, the best in the world. And so it was, I think I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for some of these conversations where he rang these you know, superstars and said, well, I'm working with this girl called J.D. Reynolds. <laughs> would you like to play guitar? So I'd love to know. Right. I would love to have been a fly on the wall. But, hey, no one's uh, said no. You know, they said, listen to her sing. Listen to the way she writes. Sends it off. And they were like, man, just count me in. I'm, this sounds awesome. So that's how we that's how we start that's how we start doing it from the bottom up. Very cool. So um, producers have different approaches. Some producers go in and they help write songs. They get very involved musically. Some are more directors. So what kind of approach did he take as a producer? It was really a partnership for a new artist. He had so much trust in my talent and my writing. And my skills as a songwriter, he really gave me a lot of leeway to tell him this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm this is what I'm thinking. He is so open-minded when it comes to my ideas, he'll take everything on board. And he is it's kind of like working with a with a with a friend who just truly believes in you. And that friend just happens to be this Grammy Aria superstar producer. <laughs> Best kind of friend you could have. Yeah, I reckon. So that's great. So you guys have a, a collaboration that seems to, to work on multiple levels. So again, producers typically are the ones to organize the recording sessions and do everything. So is he the one, I, you kind of alluded to it, but is he the one that's hiring the musicians or scouting out the musicians? Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. He, you know, he takes point in that. Before he even contacts someone, he actually calls me and says, I'm about to call such and such. Have a listen to their work. Is that someone that you feel can, you know, bring something special to to your work? So, and I love that respect because, you know, he's he's ringing all these famous people, but before he rings them, he rings me. He says, "Do you like this person? Do you like their work?" That's important. You know, engineers. I in the studio. I'm an interesting artist to record with in the studio. Uh, Brandon found that out very very quickly doesn't take me very long to lay down tracks and vocal engineers sometimes like you to do things over and over and over and over and over and over again and 
Brad instructs engineers record JD's warm up because it'll be killer, and then record her second warm up because it'll be killer, and that will always be the the leads that I go back to. That's great. No, I mean, as an engineer, I I do that all the time. We always press record and hope that you know the warm up is good. Yeah, and I hate all this. You know, can and if you're if you're an engineer, I hate all the drop in crap. Can you drop this in? Can you drop that? That no. No, I don't need to do that. When I walk into a studio, I'm super prepared. I, I know my own chops. I know what I'm about to do. I know how I'm about to perform. And the warm-up, I nail it. All right. So you mentioned engineer, and that's somebody who's usually selected by the producer. But in your case, it's kind of unique because you're recording in Australia and dealing with a producer from the States. Yep. So... Does the engineer come with the studio or is it somebody that the producer is bringing with him to the local studio? Oh, it's interesting. I, I met up with a lot of uh, engineers and look, they were all great. Uh, you're all really nice people. But I trust my gut and I go with my very first impression. The first impression I get in three seconds is is what I roll with. And so I I meet engineers and vocal engineers and yeah, there was uh, yeah one particular engineer Connor that I met, and I instantly I, th- I think instantly I thought this is a vibe right here. This is I think he gets me. He knew me. He knew my stuff. He was talking about you know the intricacies in in my voice and my and my vocal tone, and I just loved how invested he was in me and as as an artist. So. Yeah, so shout out to Connor. I uh, just love love working with him, and Braddon thinks the world of him too. So, now is he local in Australia? He's a local Aussie dude. Yeah. Okay, and what's Connor's last name? Uh, Massey. Connor Massey. Very yeah, good. Yeah, Connor Massey. Uh, so shout out to Connor. He's uh, yeah, he's he's great. I love working with him, and he's got a great ear, and he knows my voice really really well. And it's just it's so it's so easy. And I, I love that. And he's a good, he's, he's a good egg too. So then the, the studio, so you get your producer, you have your engineer, and now yep. you're selecting a studio. Who's selecting the studio? Uh, it's, a, it's a process of negotiation between myself and Brandon. So it's literally an audition process for me. I go in there and just feel the vibe. I don't like singing in, in certain studios that just don't give me a, um, a good vibe where I'm, I feel uncomfortable or the room's too big or the vocal booth's too small or even if there's a funky smell in there or, yeah, I'm really particular. Uh, and and it's worked in my, my favour. So when you're you're looking for that vibe, that comfort, do you then go in and create your own vibe in addition to that? Maybe bring in lighting or things to hang no, on. No, 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 not into that. Um, I do bring my Ugg boots. I bring Uggies, and I. It's kind of interesting for me. It depends on if Braden says right. You know, you're knocking over four songs in the studio tonight. I'll go. Okay, cool. But I won't record the four songs in the same outfit. I know. That's just me. Uh, I have to I don't feel the part and, and kind of dress the part. So with something that I need a lot of guts for and a little bit of anger, I've got these cool combat boots. I put them on and it's, it's little things for me that help me produce my best vocals. And, and you know, that's why I, I, I love Connor. He, he, he just lets me roll with that. And he says, uh, you know, that song's done. What song would you like to record next? And then I'm feeling this one. And then he was, he was like, all right, you know, let me know when you're ready to rock and roll. And that's it. No pressure, no nothing. And then uh, if it's a softer song or, you know, I remember when I was recording my Christmas song, Santa Please, I put my Christmas hat on and it's got to be a whole vibe for me in the studio. <laughs> You know, I love the I love to think that my fans are with me in the studio and I I, I literally stand there and I, I I put on a show in the studio. We have done Christmas albums in July for country artists and we deck the studio out. We put Christmas trees up. I mean we do the whole nine yards to make it feel like that. Yeah. So I completely understand it. And by the way, tonight's show is sponsored by Uggs. No, but if you want to sponsor us, by all means, <laughs> please. the best man. I couldn't do it. And I, re- I record in Uggs. I record in bare feet. I've got combat boots, cowboy boots, 
they just make a, a, a little too much noise because I dance around a lot. I can't, you know, so I'm, it's an interesting setup in the studio for me uh, and that's why I needed a vocal engineer who really understood me because I am a dancer. I can't stand still and record. It's just, it's never going to happen. So it's a really interesting setup for me. Uh, and it's like a 360 where I can kind of dance around and move around the microphone. And I, I just wear, I wear outfits that, that make me that make me feel as though I'm going to do, you know, give a good performance. Make you feel the part. Yeah. So what were you wearing on your feet the day you recorded whatever? Uh, whatever. That was actually, I did, you know, the funny thing is I did have white cowgirl boots on for whatever. So I did wear those and then they were making a little noise. Put so some carpet down. Yeah, we put some we put some carpet down, but they were still you could still kind of you know hear you know hear them a, a little bit. Uh, so what we did was the the studio. I don't know where they got them from, but you know those surgical things that 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 surgeons put over their shoes. They had some of those in there. So look, you know, just just put some of those on, and it really just kind of stopped that shuffly sound. So I did have cowgirl boots on for whatever. I needed cowgirl boots on for whatever, and they were telling me to take them off because I'm making too much noise, and I just refused. Well, that's your your power anthem right there. So how how did that song come about? <laughs> Uh, whatever is a true story. Like all my songs, they are true stories. But it was a Friday afternoon, myself and all my girls, we were at my house and we were just sitting on the front porch and we were all pretty tired. And we weren't dirty, but we had jeans, T-shirts, caps on, you know, just country girl stuff. And I said, I really feel like going out. And the girls go, yeah, I feel like going out as, as well. And I said, I can't be bothered getting changed, though. I just feel like going out as is. And, and, and all the girls said, yeah, we can't be bothered dressing up too. I said, well, let's just go for it. Whatever. Let's just wear what, we, what we've got on. So we jumped in a couple of four-by-fours and we punched it to the big smoke and we went out in the city. We, we went to this pub that we like but it's a fancy schmancy pub the velvet rope system and the bouncers and and all of the girls just look stunning in all their gear and their heels and their dresses and all their hair when it was done and this is what we, we were just rocking up and apparently we looked like trouble so when we got to the front of the line I said to the bouncer we're just a group of country girls this is how we dress up. We, we're not going to cause any trouble. Feel free to kick us out anytime you like if we cause trouble. But we're just here to have a, I literally said, a no must, no fuss night. And he said, go in, girls. All good. Have fun. We went in there. We had the best night. We were dancing. We were singing. We took over the dance floor. We were surrounded by people in designer gear. And we had a ball. The girls in the club that were in their fancy gear started tying their hair up in messy buns and kicking their heels off and coming out and dancing with us. And that's what a girls' night out is. And whatever just came about with not giving a, a hoot about whatever anyone thinks of you, what they say about you, how they feel about you, how they're looking at you. It's all about how we feel and we're feeling good. So we had a great night. We made a lot of new friends. And on the drive home, I mean, not many of us drink. So we were driving. On the way home, I have my, 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 my friends call it, oh, God, Jay's gone off with the fairies again. That's me just shutting off from the world and I go into riding mode and I literally remember the going, shh, 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 Jay's riding. And by the time we got home, I had the whole of whatever literally written. It was done. And of course you remembered it. So therefore you could go in the studio and record it. Yeah, every word. You know, it was, it was so, that song is so literal. It was, you know, that the tuck on my hair under a trucker's cap, uh, you know, no heels, no skirts, no dresses, no none of that. And it's such a literal song. That's what I love so much about whatever, because there's not one single word in there that I had to think about. It just, right. just it, was a, it was a doco. And that was so important for the music video to be a doco. It needed to be a documentary. It needed to really f reflect that night. And it did. It came out great. After you get done recording it, how does it make you feel now when you listen to it? I love it. 
I love it. It's still an anthem of, of mine. Uh, whenever myself and my girls go out, we play it. It's always in the car. We we jam to it. And the coolest thing is, is if we go to one of the local pubs and we're having a dance and the DJ will recognise it, it, it pumps. You know, he'll pump it out uh, and we're all on the floor where, you know, where we're all dancing. It's I love it, you know, and I think that it really is important for me to hear songs that I record and just still love them, and I do, every song. Well, like I said before, it is very powerful, but you mentioned something in there real quick that you listen to it when you go out. A lot of artists can't listen to themselves, so you're wow. okay listening to yourself. I was talking to an artist about this uh, before Christmas, and they were asking me, when you rocked up, I heard your, your song playing. I said, yeah, I love my own stuff. And they said, oh, you know, I just don't. I said, well, stop recording stuff that you don't love. Full stop. Put your foot down. So for me, I record stuff I love. I record stuff that I know I'm going to play on repeat because if I'm not loving it and I don't want to play it on repeat, well, how the hell are my fans going to love it and play it on repeat? I'm going to love it so much and I do love my tracks. <laughs> do you ever finish a track and then not love it enough to put it on anything or release it? You know, this is going to sound a bit, I don't know, a bit funny, but no, I love what I write. I think it's because of the way I write. There's nothing forced. As I said, I don't sit down with a pen and paper and force anything. Everything I write, whether it be country or whether I think, oh, my God, you know, that, that would be a cool rap song. You might send that to Snoop. Uh, or anything that I particularly write, I kind of love. And, and so I don't have to have that second thought uh, as long as I remember it. If I remember it, I know it's hot. Well, your songs, although primarily country, they all have a different feel to them, like whatever's an anthem, but a little piece of your heart kind of has a different feel and even throws in a heavy piano feel to it. So do you change gears? I mean, how does something like that come out of you? Emotional gears. I change emotional gears. And that is how A Little Piece of Your Heart came about. It's a really beautiful song. It did so well. It stayed in the top 10 for 10 weeks, stayed at number one for three weeks in a row. Very impressive. Thank you so much. Uh, I just heard, uh, I think it was not yesterday, but the day before, I heard that it was the seventh most charted song on Australian country radio. Seventh, you know, amongst the big guns. So You are the big gun. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was so humbled that so many people fell in love with A Little Piece of Your Heart. You know, the funny thing is I was only listening to A Little Piece of Your Heart last night and it still brings a tear to my eye. And I think of a song that I wrote, that I recorded, that I know like the back of my hand that I listened to a thousand times still brings a tear to my eye. I hope it's still bringing a tear to everybody's eye. That song came about when I was in a really emotional place I was having a, you know, a think about things. I was reading through diaries and I think it's a beautiful story. The whole thing is a story from it has a, it has a beginning, it has an ending, it has that, uh, you know, will they or won't they make it in the middle vibe because that's how the story rolls. And it's a very, very dear song to me, a little piece of your heart. It's, Yeah. I love it. It, it. It's a very emotional song for me. And I think I really needed to tap into that. Sometimes I write songs and I think, and they make me cry. I'm thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to get through this in the recording studio? And I think my fans need to hear this from me. And that's how, that's how I roll. You can tell that it's important to you, but it's obviously something relatable to everybody else. Tops the charts which, like I said, very impressive for a long period of time. Thank you. It's got, it's got to make you feel great to do that. I mean, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Thank you so much. It makes me feel great. It makes me feel so thankful and blessed. I, I, I love my fans. I know a lot of people and a lot of artists say that, but I've got this real true love for my fans, people who are with me, who are on my journey with me. Even before we went live, now I was on my social speaking to my fans, uh, just on a story saying, I love you all with me. You, you calm me down. I love to chat with you before I, I do anything. So I have a really special relationship with my fans. That's why I want to always give them the best. And something like a little piece of your heart, 
it is amazing that a, a, a couple from India uh, reached out to me and I, I manage all my own socials. It is me. You're writing to me. I'm the one answering them. I, I would never get an admin in because I'd hate to think that these beautiful people are writing to me and if I ever meet them in person, they go, oh, my God, hi, it's Cindy. Do you remember <laughs> me? And I go, no, Ooh, who's Cindy? I'd hate that. I'd never do it. So this couple wrote to me and they were, had been in huge arguments about their wedding song. Huge arguments. They reckon they nearly broke up over it. And then they settled on a little piece of your heart because they both fell in love with it. You can't, you can't be more honoured than that. No, not at all. So, I mean, do you consider that to be a highlight of your career at this point? A little piece of your heart, yes, and eight seconds. Look, as long as it is a hit in the hearts of my fans, it's a hit. That's what matters to me. Everything I put out is a highlight. Whatever was a highlight, I loved it. A little piece of your heart was a highlight. Eight seconds was a highlight. They've all been highlights, but a little piece of your heart, knowing how much emotion uh, and raw emotion went into that that song and actually recording that song in the studio, uh, how emotional I was in the studio. And for people to embrace it, to love it, and for it to get to number one, number one so quickly and stay there uh, amongst some huge songs and then stay in the top ten for, for 10 consecutive weeks, it is a highlight and I'm really humbled by it, very grateful. You just mentioned there being in the studio and feeling emotional. I mean, I mean, how hard was it for you to record the song? And was it a song that took more than one or two takes for you? Uh, yeah, I think this one took about three takes because there were a few tears shed and a few laughs laughed. And I like to throw a lot of emotion into my songs. And then it's a matter of finding that balance of vocal and emotion. It can't be so much emotion that it attacks the vocal. And as soon as I kind of found that balance in that second warm-up of, of finding the balance and then that third one that we did, that was it. It had that beautiful balance of emotion. The emotion wasn't taken out of it at all because I, I, would, I would rather have gone with, you know, warm-up. But it's finding that really lovely balance between vocal and emotion and in an emotional song, it's it's quite difficult to do because when you're in the studio, I don't want to lose the emotion. I'd rather have an imperfect line sung full of emotion rather than a perfect line sung with minimal emotion. And so we found this beautiful, beautiful line right between the two and I can't be any prouder of it. It's uh, It came out great. The vocal came out great. It's a bit of a special song, we all get a little piece of your heart. <laughs> Feeling trumps technique a lot of the times, or at least it should. I mean, a song that can make you feel something is definitely much better than something that's yeah, very sterile. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when I, when I started uh, hearing how much people were embracing a little piece of your heart, I started thinking about oh, music video. And it had to be special. It had to be special. It had to be. It had to be awesome. Uh, we had, you know, a lot of stories on the table, a lot of ideas on the table, and I usually get my own way. <laughs> really, <laughs> I have to. Uh, and so the music video had to reflect everything the song was about. And I think that the music video it really resonated with people. And there are scenes in that that just hit home for people, and I'm proud of it. One of the other songs you just mentioned in there, you just passed right over, but you mentioned Eight Seconds, and that was another one that people resonated with, but it was a different group of people. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yes, sure, Eight Seconds. I had the honor of hanging out with some family, friends, wives, girlfriends, and loved ones of the top PBR writers in the world when I was in Las Vegas in 2019. And it was just a, a matter of one of the girls recognising me through my modelling career. She goes, oh, my God. Uh, and I started talking. And we were sitting down, we were talking about PBR and their emotional roller coaster throughout watching their husbands and their boyfriends and their brothers and their, and their sons watching these incredible athletes do what they do. 
I so I was invited uh, to go out and uh, you know watch PBR finals, and I was flabbergasted just by the athleticism of not only the athletes themselves, but of the bulls, of the protection athletes. I think you call them rodeo clowns, or uh, yeah. um, in Australia we call them protection athletes, and I love that. I love protection athletes, and. I wrote eight seconds sitting in that crowd. I was absorbing the emotion of the family and loved ones around me. I I soaked it all in. I was in tears, just feeling the vibe of one of the wives uh, sitting next to me. I was in tears. She, I I thought she was going to have a heart attack. And I thought I've got to write this. I got to. I got to. I got to absorb everything I, I, I can. And then, uh, by the time I had left the grandstand, I had written eight seconds. It was done. Every emotion I, I threw into the song, and it resonated with people. Uh, then I was, you know, I was invited out to, you know, to sing at the PBR event in Australia. It was the only uh, sold out uh, PBR event around the world. <laughs> Uh, so um, in that particular year, and I was so honoured by that. And then it happened to be uh, a huge venue that uh, very rarely gets sold out. That there were no seats available at all. They even opened up extra seating. Uh, people, you know, boots in the boots in the dirt tickets. And PBR rang me and said, JD, we love your fans. They are so passionate, but please put out on socials that it is sold out because we're getting inundated just with people coming to see you. And what an honour that was. So that was a great night. And I met all of the athletes and it was that particular night that we filmed their music video for eight seconds. My co-star is the number one Australian bull rider and uh, sharing stories and when you see us sitting on the shoots out the back none none of that is choreographed that's just us hanging out as mates talking before the event it's a really emotional roller coaster back you know behind the shoots and i was honored to be invited by the riders all the riders had to sign off on it to say that i was allowed back there uh and hang out back there and just really be a part of their journey and eight seconds went to number one during grammy week that has got to make you feel good. You mentioned the experience not being choreographed, but you are a choreographer and a dancer and a model and an actress. I mean, how does all that play into your music career? I think it all molds in together. Uh, it's kind of funny. People say, "Gee, you know, you wear a lot of uh, wear a lot of hats," and for me, it just comes natural. Uh, I started as a, out as a dancer, a classical ballerina, and I grew. I, everyone knew I was going to grow, grow too tall. I call it a sport. Dance is a sport uh, and it is an art. So I grew too tall for the sport. I grew very tall very quickly uh, and then scattered by a magazine uh, when I start shopping with my mom and my school uniform and, man, you know, this this kid's got a look and went into the into high-end fashion world and from there, um, you know, I, I met, I met some cool, I even met Uncle Snoop uh, through modelling. So, and then I always was a really creative person. Uh, I love choreographing. You know, I, I I won Young Choreographer of the Year when I was, when I was dancing, youngest person to ever win it. Uh, and I just, I think it all just goes hand in hand. My, I am a dancer, I'm a singer, I am a songwriter. I act as well. I'm an actress and a choreographer. And I think it, for me, it's normal to be all those things. It's just a, it's just a normal thing. And I am uh, a new music producer. Uh, Braden has really taken me under his wing. And that's what I love about him. He sees the potential in me as a producer, not just an artist. So when we are putting things together, he teaches me. He says, you're an artist but, and, and a producer. So I'm about to put out, I'll give you a bit of an exclusive, but I am about to put out um, a, a new song that I have produced myself and uh, really just, you know, chucked a prince on this one and, and, and done it all. Uh, so I'm super excited about it. But for me, it all, it, it all, it's just who I am. I don't know. I know it's a, a lot of titles, but for me, it's just normal. So you're, you're being mentored to be a producer and you actually get to produce your own track. Do you have plans in producing other artists? 
a couple of artists have reached out. Really? Yeah, a couple of artists have reached out and have reached out just as a songwriter. And then they think, oh, as a producer as well, we hear that you're a new producer. I'm really honoured by that. Some of these artists are, are awesome. I think that my producing uh, my producing style would be quite unique uh, compared to compared to maybe what they're used to. And I think it's just a matter of whether an artist would be open to that. We'll we'll see. But I'd love to I'd love to get into it and work with a, an artist who I just really have that spiritual connection with. I think it'd be awesome. That could be so much fun. Absolutely, it'd be huge fun. That's great. Hey, well, we do this thing here we call Unsung Heroes where we take a moment to take a look at somebody whose works behind the scene or somebody who may have supported you and maybe shine a little light on them. Do you have anybody you'd like to shine a little light on? Oh, my mum. Give her the spotlight. <laughs> she's a superstar. Yeah, give her the spotlight. Just Since I was a kid, she's just been my biggest support. She has taught me how to literally have just things roll off my back little things one of my favorite stories is when i was waiting in the wings to go on at the opera sydney opera house as a ballerina and one of the older girls ran past me in this sequin tutu and ripped my stockings i was they were just ripped and we literally had a few seconds to go on my mum ripped the rest of those tights off like hulk and she <laughs> ripped them off she scooped a hand in glitter hair gel and she rubbed my legs with glitter and said go baby girl uh and so i, I got in huge trouble this kid for not having ballet stockings on. But I'll tell you what, after the show, every single person in the VIP section was talking about the little glitter ballerina. They knew who you were. So that's my mum for you. A big thanks to JD for taking the time to share her stories with us. And thank you for taking the time to hang with me here. Please follow, share, and connect on all the socials. You can do that and find the links to everything mentioned over at jfranzi.com slash episode 46. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Jay Franzi Show. Make sure you visit us at jfranzi.com. Follow, connect, and say hello. This episode has been brought to you by VR Knives, your source for 100% custom knives made by a true rock star. So if you're in the market for a new piece of art, reach out to VR Knives. 407-421-5528. 407-421-5528.